Okay, so what I wanted to do was uh, just recap a little um, and then uh, sharpen our understanding of, of uh, you know, women's engagement with, uh, with Talis and Tefillin uh, as we, we bumped into that in Ramosh's Chuva when we were when we were reading it through. So, so what did we say? We, uh, we were talking about the concept of a mitzvah seishas man grammar uh, and how a woman is not obligated to to perform mitzvah man grammar. And we try to go into all the various different reasons um, that were suggested as to why the Torah possibly exempted women from a mitzvah man grammar. And then we sort of got onto this uh, discussion where we, um, we wanted to ask, well, what happens if a woman wants to volunteer to do a mitzvah man grammar? Um, we see that that's really encouraged most of the time. And uh, we say to women, you know, for sure, whenever you can do a mitzvah, do a mitzvah, even if it's a mitzvah such as man grammar. Um, it's just that the hierarchy is set up in such a way uh, in, in, the, in the wisdom of, of, of the good Lord above that he knows how male and female people need to work together, the different spiritual makeup, etc. So, um, okay, so now you're, we, we got into this discussion to that tshuva of Ramosha. So what happens if the woman wants to wear wants to wear talus, wants to wear tefillin. So from Ramosha, we saw that um, I think there were, there, were, there, were, there were two major points there uh, as far as, you know, women wanting to wear a, a talus, right? Um, one was that um, it, it, needed to, it needed to be uh, in such a way that... Um, that she wasn't wearing man's clothing, you know. So um, we just sort of went over that quite quickly, but it's interesting to to try and spend a bit of time on that. Uh, what what would that mean? What would that mean? So in today's day and age, um, no one wears four cornered garments. So I'm assuming that Ramosha was not uh, not talking about. Um, a woman's garment that had four corners, and that's the way she would wear the garment. In other words, um, it's not like in the days of the Tanaim where they had, you know, where that was, where four cornered garments were the was the fashion, and therefore, you know, you had some Tanaim who argued with our uh, with our Mishnah and Gemara. There were the, with, the, with those Tanaim, the Gemara brings them in Masechet Menachot. The Gemara brings that certain Tanaim held that. Uh, Woman that 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 tzitzit isn't a mitzvah such as man grammar, and therefore they put on tzitzit on their on their wives' clothing. Now at the time, the the clothing that they that they put on, I guess, was normal clothing. Um, and even though we don't pass like, like those tanoim, that they were they were you know the assumption is that 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 was their regular clothing. Now in our day and age, um. We need to ask as follows: When when Ramosha came along and said, um, as follows, that a woman who wants to wear a talus may do so, provided that she wears uh, a, a, a garment that's a feminine garment and not a not a masculine garment. She she's got to she's got to be sensitive to that issue that uh, 
you know, she can't be wearing something which is going to violate the din of cross-dressing, right, of Lotilbush. So what would you say about that today? Like, you know, what did you, do you say that the regular pair of titsit that you buy in the shop, you know, the regular cotton or the regular wool, so normally the, the cotton begadim are, are just plain white begadim and the woolen ones, okay, they look more like, you know, a, a smaller version of the, of, of the original talit gadol where black stripes, maybe blue stripes. But um, so what so what would Ramosha say about that pair of tzitzit? Do you think Ramosha would say that that, that pair of tzitzit that she wants to wear, that's, that's is that like... Is that like unisex? Is it is, is it is it neutral? Um, or do you say that no, since you know, no, no orthodox, no, not many orthodox women wear tzitzis. So that that now has become a men's garment. Now we saw that the idea of of looking at a talus as being a or tzitzit as being a men's garment, uh, that was that was support that, that was the biggest argument against allowing women to do so, even if they want to. With regard to tzitzit and tefillin, that is the Rav Yonatan ben Uziel who who uh, who says that. Now, it's interesting that Rav Moshe discounted that. He he ignored that. He he brought the Tosfos who says, uh, you know, we we don't really hold of that of that svara. So even though there's this big no-no about talis and tefillin, according to Rav Yonatan ben Uziel, who says that a woman who puts on tzitzit and tefillin is in violation of cross-dressing lotilbash. Because uh, tzitzit and tefillin are, are men's garments, there Moshe doesn't hold of that. He, 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 you know, he he brings it, but he does. He says the Toshas don't really adopt that svara. You know, maybe that svara is not in, not in the Gemara. Um, you know, but they don't they don't adopt it. So that svara somehow hangs in abeyance, at least in in Moshe's psak. It's not even in abeyance. He's not he's ignoring it. But then he has his own way of saying it that when he you know, he then says, okay, so if the woman wants to put on a talus, so she's got to put on a talus on the condition that it's a it's a it's a distinctively uh woman's garment. So so what what would what would you draw? What, you know, I don't know the answer to what I'm asking, really. Meaning I'm just discussing it aloud when I was thinking about the chuva, I was trying to work this out. So on the one hand, he said, we're not taking your psak. It's not a violation of Lot Tilbash. But at the same time, a woman today who really wants to genuinely put in the mitzvah, do the mitzvah of tzitzis or talas, can do it, provided that, you know, she doesn't violate a, um, and wear a man's garment. Um, and I was trying to work out what, what did Ramosha have in mind when he, when he wrote that? Now, what, what, what do you think she was going to do? Did he not think that she was going to go to the regular bookstore and, you know, you know, and, and, uh, I don't know, buy a, from a Judaica place, buy a regular pair of tzitzis. You know, and, and would Ramosha say that's a problem? Or do you say, no, it's not a... So it's interesting that, you know, Rabbi Yonis and Benazil possibly starts off the very discussion that from, from, the, from, the, from the word go, from the word go, from the time the Torah was given, the word go, um, Talas and Tfilin, uh, um Tzitzit and tefillin are woman or a man's garment. So from the word go, it's a problem. Moshe is not saying that. Moshe says no, it's not from the word go. Uh, it's not a problem at all as long as it doesn't become a man's garment. 
So what what is a man? What what today would be a man's garment? You know, is it a regular pair of tits in the store, or and or do you have to say to the the lady who comes up in your shul, to the ladies' gallery, you know, or behind the mechitza, and she walks in there with a talus, you know? Um, so well, no, you can't wear that talus. Yeah, she goes, why not? Ramosha says, I can. Well, you're wearing the regular traditional talus. That's a man's garment. You want to wear one? Wear one that's pink. You know that is is that what Ramosha is saying that she's she must wear it uh, wear something that's completely you know that I'm not sure about that I'm not sure if whether you know whether the tzitzit that and talus that we have has become a man's garment so that when she wears it now it's a problem so she has she can wear tzitzit but you got to wear it on something that's completely um, not seen as a as a as a man's a man's talus. And that would be quite difficult. Like you'd have to go out of your way to find such a thing. Now, I remember when I, I remember when I was uh, when I was just out the army. I, I think, you know, if I remember correctly, I was, uh, you know, uh, nine. I think it was nineteen eighty nine. So I was finished the army. I remember eighty eight, and then I, you know, I, I, you know, it became a big thing in Israel where the the woman of the wall. You know, you've seen them all. You've heard about them. You read about them. So that the woman of the wall, the feminist movement, um, you know, became became the issue all all those years ago, you know, toward the late eighties, early nineties, and um, and that and that's you know okay that to this day they they basically petitioning the government to allow women to daven exactly how they choose how they want to they were daven in any way they want, um, and the problem of course is that it, on the one hand you know. No, no one's no one wants to stop somebody who wants to daven, but you know you want to do it kosher, right? So you want to do it uh, in a way that doesn't violate the kedusha of the of the kotel or anywhere. So we, we we're in this we're in this bind. It's a real political minefield, and you know. So now um, you have you, when you go online and you search "woman of the wall," so what do you find? You find that you know they've got they've got. Interesting talasim. They've got all those, you know. We used to always look. Uh, we used to always look. For, we always to look with a smile on our face at the, at the, at, you know, at the balabos who came. Who's not that from? He came back from the kotel. He bought one of these, uh, you know, talasim that uh, that 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 Yosef's coat would have been embarrassed by. It was so colorful, right? And they put them on. And we ha- we have guys with colorful talasim in the middle of in the middle of shul. Okay, but most of our talasim are either, you know. Black stripes, blue stripes. Now, of course, there's a whole bunch of different kinds of black and blue stripes, and uh, you know it's becoming more and more and more uh, out there a little bit of what people are wearing. So, but the women of the wall have a different kind of a design. Is is that what is that what's being is that now considered a, a woman's talus? Even though you're completely anti from a halachic point of view what the women of the wall are doing, but is that like a feminine talus because it's got different colors? You know, or do we say no? Any talus. You know, a talus is neutral, and if a woman puts on a talus, as long as she's doing it l'shem shamayim, you know, then in theory there's no, then there's no, then there's no problem. You know, so that's so, that, and, that, and that's what Rabbi Moshe sort of left us with. He said, look, as long as a woman is not wearing uh, a garment which is a feminine garment, uh, um, a masculine garment, a male garment, um, so it's, it's got to be like. And that, that's why I'm not 100% sure how to define. Exactly what does that mean? Does it mean to say that the regular talus and tzitzis is no good? Um, 
because it's become known as a man's garment. What do we say? No, that what he meant was that, um, you know, you, it, it, it can't be the, you know, it can't be the regular one, maybe a little bit different in terms of the colors, maybe, you know, I'm not exactly sure what he was saying, how she should do it. You know, maybe, maybe find an actual garment that, that, that uh, it's made as a woman's blouse and, and work away of, you know, cutting, cutting the, the blouse up the sides, creating like a four-cornered garment, like T-shirt, cut all the way up, and, and use that over your, obviously, it's going to be Tsanua. So she, she's got to use, put that over her, you know, over her, um, her, 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 her garment that she's wearing on her skin. You know, so it's like, you know, it's the second layer. You know, is, is that what he's saying that she has to do in order for her to do that? Um, anyway, that I'm not 100% clear as to as to what Ramosh is driving at there, but um, but anyway, this is this is this is the issue. But but Ramosh was saying that if provided that the woman is not wearing a man's garment and that she's 100% Shem Shamaim, she's not there to beat a drum, um, and therefore she made you know a good way of, of, of you know litmus test as we said is for her to do it privately. Or to wear it underneath her clothing, that would be a you know that would be a you know a, 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 the best case scenario for somebody who is gonna say that no matter what you tell them that I'm, I want to wear I want to wear a talus. But the next stage where the woman walks into shul with a talus, you know there you there you've got a kind of a very interesting question as to what to do. Now obviously again it depends on on where your community is holding, you know. Um, so in other words, if, if, if you're running a Kirov organization, you're running a Kirov organization, and so, you know, you you meant to be the, you know, the smiley face of Yiddish guy towards people that are interested. And you're going to get people that are, you know, that are very left, if, the way we call them, or woman, user, feminist, you know, I've had this a lot, meaning like, so now the woman wants to come to shul and wear a talus. So now, okay, you, you're really in an interesting position over here. It's a feminist issue, and probably you've got an issue of whether the woman shames the mind or not. But it's very hard to judge because what, what really is the shame shame to a person who's not really very, you know, doesn't buy into orthodoxy yet or you might have orthodox lady and, and just happens to have this feminist bend and now walks into your shoe so you know obviously you know my approach when it's happened it hasn't happened very often but you know in the early years the, you know we were I, I was I had a very very um I had a very vocal group of of uh, feminist women um, who who really made an issue of everything, um, and I had to deal with them. So in this particular case, you know, thank God for this tuba from Rabbanisha. Really, it was like you know, I didn't have to make a fuss. Meaning, like, I'm not going to go up to the woman and say to you, you know, are you the Shem Shemaim or not? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know. I'm going to keep quiet. I'm not going to make any judgment call. And, and you know, there, there's what to rely on that she may be Lusham Shemaim, 
even though she doesn't know anything, or some of the Orthodox ladies worship, you know, but they they actually didn't go that far. But but the issue was, you know, don't make a fuss. Let, let it go. Because many of the time, if the person's really interested, you know, okay, so they come and they see everybody's not doing it and they ask the question. And then you give the answer that, you know, that even though in theory it could be permissible, but, you know, what it's so important to, to appreciate Misora and for, for, you know, for thousands of years, no, no, no one has ever recommended that this is what you should do. So, you know, that, that gives us a kind of a, a base to this, you know, where you can, you don't have to like go loggerheads. You don't have to go loggerheads. Maybe in a community where, you know, everybody's from and now all of a sudden out of the blue, somebody comes in and does this, somebody has to work out whether, you know, to say something or not. But, um, you know, in, in this case with the Tullis, uh, the first time I actually came into contact with, with the fact that somebody was doing this was a very close friend of mine in, in Yeshiva in Gush. Uh, you know, he and his brother were, were there over the years and I was there. And uh, his father, I actually became quite friendly, very friendly with him, actually. But um, the, the father was a Rov in, in Canada, in, in Montreal. And um, he was actually writing a, a cipher, a commentary on the you know, he was translating and it saves Peirush to Shira Shirim. And it was like his PhD, I think. And uh, he was, he had been working on it for years. And he took a sabbatical, came to Gush and he joined his boys there. And uh, so he needed a, he needed a bunch of guys who would come to a shir and he would give over, you know, um, his, his, his whole thesis on, and the, and the explanation on the safer. So, I, you know, they asked me what I, would I be part of the group? I said, yeah, pleasure. So I enjoyed the shir. And then you know, I became friendly with him. His name was Rabbi Joseph. I think he unfortunately passed away uh, this last year. Anyway, so 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 anyway, I, you know, I wasn't, you know, all of a sudden it comes out. It's interesting that 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 his wife, the Rabbiton, she was of this, she she wore a talus in shul every every Shabbos. You know, I think it was like a Spanish Portuguese shul. That they were, um, I think it had a Sfardi roots, the, the shul that, that he was the, that they were the Robin Rabbits and all. So, modern Orthodox, obviously, um, but, but fully clued up exactly what was going on. And uh, it was interesting that this is the first time I heard of a, a Froom Rabbitson actually, you know, doing this and taking this on. So, there, you know, you're not going to go and, you know, ask the Rabbitson if she's Lashem Shamayim or not. You know, you're going to assume, okay, she's Lashem Shamayim. Now you've got a problem. Like it's like now it's like it's in shuls in front of everybody. Is this really the way to go? You know, do you do you make a fuss or you just let it go? And then you know you you, you run the risk of setting a precedent and other people do it. And anyway, it was one one of those very interesting uh, discussions because you know yeah you had somebody who there was no question they were shomer mitzvahs and 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 this was the issue. You know what what do you do? So um, anyhow, this is. Uh, you know, we all get introduced to this issue somewhere along the line. You know, most of us go to from uh, shuls and we we neighborhoods where you know not no one's really in care of that much that these kind of weird things are, are happening around us. And, you know, I don't know how much in South Africa in general is pretty conservative. So even if you do have it, you know, it's a separate minion, a woman's minion somewhere along the line, and it's it's almost sort of out of the main the main stream. But uh, you know, if it came into the mainstream, what what would you do? 
So I told you last time we were discussing about Machane Benakiva camp. So again, with the with the talus, all right, what, you know, teach the sugya and try and get the person to don't put them, don't turn them off by saying that uh, no, you're not allowed. But let them get engaged in the in the making of the tzitzis or the talus chub. I can learn how to make tzitzis and, and everything else like that. And then eventually you start to try and say, well, look, you know, you know, even though in theory it's allowed, the question is as follows. You know, this is anyway my approach. I've always done this. You know, um, I've always said to people, look, there's there's allowed, and what is recommended. And if you really want to have a connection with Akosh Baruch Hu, Hashem says to you sometimes, yeah, things are allowed, but are they recommended? And you'll see that that Nusara tradition is a way of telling you what's recommended. It is amazing that since the beginning of time, we never hear of women volunteering uh, to, to put on tzitzis and, and, and tefillin in a way that one could consider it a precedent. And so that, I think, is the approach to try and, uh, you know, to try and, you know, make headway with these things and, uh, you know, and, 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 let, and let it work. So anyway, yeah, this was the, this is the, the, um, you know, the point that I wanted to make with the, with the, with the, with the talus. Now, when it comes to tefillin, you saw in the tshuva that uh, Reb Moshe here was not makeyel, and yeah, you know, Reb Moshe said it's a problem, it's a problem. Now, what does it mean? How much of a problem? What you know? What do we, what do we understand uh, in the, you know, with 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 the sugya? Well, why don't women? Where tefillin? What's the issue? What's the difference between, you know, tefillin and and uh, talus or peritzitzis? You know, so uh, again, yeah, he, he has. Uh, so the first, the starting point of our discussion always is the extreme position, and there we quoted, you know, Yonatan um, Benuziel and his and his interpretation of Lotilbash, including tzitzit and uh, and uh, you know tzitzit and tefillin. They considered as men's garments. And uh, you know, and that's and that's the end of the story. You know, you you open up Sefer uh, Dvarim, you know, Perik Chavbet Pasuk and then you'll start to see that uh, you know this is the this is where the the source of the actual din is that there's an issue of Lord Tilbash and the Bjornson Benazil's comment is is uh, you know is there for anybody to have a look at it. Now, we did mention that the Balea Tosfot and others, uh, you know. Don't, don't don't hold that that extreme view. Uh, number one, Lord Tilbush, in other words, the cross-dressing applies only to people who are wearing clothes in order to make some sort of a, a statement of style um, or to to engage in, in some sort of sexual activity. And that's what, what cross-dressing was, you know, sexual stimulus comes in weird and wonderful ways as we've uh, we've seen. And this was one of the ways of doing it. You know, somebody was doing it and you know, so this was a this was the issue, but but you know you can easily say, well, okay, we understand the issue applies to clothes that essentially do that kind of thing that give you I don't know that give you a feeling that you mummish like a guy and have an arousal content there, or, or you know, talus and tefillin are that really you know does that apply to them? I mean, uh, you know, that's 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 that you could argue that that's a stretch. You know, um, however, you could, you know, today you can argue with me. You can say that, listen, you know, I don't know what Madonna did it for, but man, you know, 
apparently she had this thing with tefillin and she had a she got a rov there who's a who's a, a, a you know a rov and teaches a kabbalah kabbalah and you know kabbalah this thing and yeah you know that can turn anything into anything and so today you can do anything so anyway look the question really is is the lot tilbas really uh, include talis and tefillin so there were people who argued with Jonas and Benazir, Rabbi Jonas and Benazir, and um, uh, the, the question really would be to say, you know, is there strong enough? Um, uh, how many people paskin like this, Jonas and Benazir? And there are people, but there are a lot of people who don't, um, you know. And you see, Rabbi Moshe also didn't go with the Jonas and Benazir based on the Balatosfot, etc. So I would say that, simply put, probably, you know, you couldn't use that and. This wouldn't be this wouldn't be the argument that would say, you know, woman, you're not allowed to put on put on tefillin even if you want to. So what else what else happens here in this in the sugya of tefillin? So what happens is, is as follows: something similar to what we've been discussing with the talis, yeah, and that is, um, in the general understanding of what we call hilchot sniut, that a person not just Female, but everybody, male and female, we are equally bound by the laws of Tsniut philosophically. Equally meaning that the concept of modesty and modest behavior, you know, which applies across the board um, to all of our behavior, whether it's speech or dress, you know, or, or uh, engaging with the physical world and benefits and all the pleasures of the world, um, you know. All of this is ultimately, you know, falls under the rubric of 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 tzniyut. It's not a, it's not just a woman's thing only, right? It's not. This is the the sad part about what's happened is that whenever you get into discussion of tzniyut, it sort of goes towards, you know, skirt length and sleeve length and neckline, and you know, it, it leaves out all the other areas of of being tzanua, you know. So, but but tzniyut. Is there? It's not that it isn't, but tsniut is there in every in every area. Now, the biggest issue of tsniut is that one is one is educated to avoid drawing attention to yourself. So, when you when you dress in a way that you know as you walk in, everybody looks at you. You know that's already doing something that's not sanua. It's just not the right way to go. And so, yeah, you know, um, the question over here is now that for so many, so many millennia, you know, no one in the Orthodox world wears talus or tefillin. Um, so then would you, would you say that somebody who puts on talus and tefillin in the public eye is, you know, is crossing the line of, 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 of dressing sanua because you are, you are putting the spotlight on yourself. And this is not a way to go. And um, and, and this Bichlal, you know, could apply to both the Talis and the Tfilin. Uh, but, but you could say to me, okay, uh, I hear that. You know, that it is an issue. But what happens if the woman now wants to put on Tfilin behind closed doors? Uh, just like she does with it, you know, she, she davens at home, you know, or, or davens in a you know, at the back of the shul where nobody really sees, you know, but um, it's putting on tefillin, putting on tefillin, putting on talis. You know, I can talk about sniut, but there's a way to get around it. So if she does it, 
you know, privately, somewhere where no one sees it. Um, you know, or I don't know, you have communities, maybe they'll come, maybe there will be a time in the near future where certain communities uh, will allow it and therefore it doesn't become a spectacle anymore. At that point in time, that new factor is, is lessened because it doesn't draw attention to yourself. Everybody knows, okay, you know, this, you know, like I might have mentioned this to you before, but when we're talking about the, the whole nature of the LGBTQ plus community, you know, 10 years ago, you know, we, we would have freaked out if, if, uh, if we would have seen all of this stuff happen around our environment, you know? So, you know, the, uh, you know, the first time I saw somebody who was going through the process of a, of a sex change, you know, was around my, my Shabbos table where, where my, my oldest son, you know, you know, brought, brought him home. At the time, at the time it was him. But he was going towards becoming her. So Alex eventually became Michelle. And uh, you know, yeah, I, we, we, we and the and the kids, you know, the kids just basically said, Okay, so let her go. Nice person. The kids the kids actually were quite easy about it. It was it was just the rest of us are thinking, what what's happening over here? You know, how do we get around this thing? And anyway, but anyway, as I say, I was I, I was caught a little bit off guard, but you know, so so Gabby comes to me and says to me, Look, Abba, please, no jokes. Please, just no jokes. That's all I ask. No jokes. Be nice. You know, she or he's part of this, part of the group. You know, to us it's like, you know, as they say yeah, in Australia, you know. Float your boat, mate. Whatever you want to do, you know. You want to take the hormones. You want to do the. You want. It's your business, right? Just you know, live and let live. This is what it is over here. There's no issue of values anymore. No value. You know, it's only us who are old that there's values. You know, there's that. So this is again. This is the same kind of story. When you today, when you, you know, the, the to me one of the biggest scary things of this whole vote that we had in Australia a few years ago, where you know we legalized same-sex marriage. And we were all going to vote yes or no. To me, one of the biggest dangers of the whole voting yes thing, you know, was that it's now became legal and therefore it had to be taught as an option at school. So now all our kids go to school and in Moriah College, they, you know, as part of the, part of the, the, the development of the human being, they have to teach this. They, they have to teach it's an option and it now becomes optional. So, you know, the, you know, all of a sudden, there are lots of gay people coming out and everywhere and whatever it is. Okay, no one's, no one's, the kids are not bullying anybody anymore. They, my kids are like, you know, they, I have to convince them that there's actually a problem. Because they're fine, okay, it's gay, fine, no problem. To us, you bring a gay person home, there's already the alarm bells start to go. Why? Because you're so not used to it. But the minute society gets used to it, you know, <laughs> It doesn't it doesn't attract attention anymore. So like, yeah, asthma. So and that's what that's actually what's happened. That's what that's what's happened. You know, it's, it's simply what's happened over here. It's it's like it's terrible, but but it, but it's happened. You know. So now I've got. It's not the first time it's happened to me. I get calls from the gush. You know, almost every year, saying, "Listen, you know, we we just want to talk to you." There's this one kid who's, who wants to come to the shiva, but we understand they're gay. 
what's going on? Where are we holding? What do we do? You know, they're asking me, right? It's like, but bottom line is, you know, I, I would say, listen, I can tell you this boy is a lovely boy, well-mannered, a beautiful kid, not, not going to cause you any trouble. You know, he's not there flying the flag. He's not trying to convince everybody else that this is the right way to be. He's just decided whatever you do, he's just come out and that's it. He's, he's, he's out of there, right? He wants to learn Torah, but he's told you he's gay. But you're not going to get an ounce of trouble from the guy. You know? So should you take the, the kid or you shouldn't take the kid? I said, if I was, if I was you, you know, you have an interview, you explain it out, you know, obviously the person knows the, the boundaries and any kind of active, any acting on this on this inclination and whatever else it is, obviously is an Isidore right there and a problem and a whole, and a whole spiel, but, but but it's now part of people's lives, man. It's like, you know, it's, it's now there's no spotlight anymore as far as a guy walks into shul tomorrow and says he's gay, there's no spotlight. Meaning like in a, Let's call it a non-from traditional show. You know that, that's Rob, Rob. That's that's all a hundred percent. But how do you how do you marry up the halachic aspect versus the reality? Because you can't. In other words, as far as we are concerned, our halacha, it's not an option. Right. So, you know, this is not an option. So you tell your kids. I'm telling you now. I've, I've done this. Myself with my own kids, I've had to convince my own kids. Well, the the younger ones, the older ones, no problem, but the younger ones, because the whole new generation, you know, I had to convince them it's a problem. I'm I swear to you, I'm sitting around the table, not just with my own kid, with all his mates. They all here over Shabbos, and I've actually got to convince them there's a problem. They say, "What's the problem?" You know, let him do whatever he wants to do. So two guys, they love each other, they want to go off and do their thing. Let them do their thing. What's the then they, they have to be convinced there's a problem. They don't even know there's a problem. So you have to tell them. You have to tell them. You know, and a, as your kids, you know, those of you who've got teenagers, you know, you might have the same problem when it, you know, when it comes now where um, your kids are now 16, 17, and, uh, you know, they, they're going out on what's a Shabbos and what happens by us, you know, by us, it's not like in Joburg, you know, you've got to know where they are from a security point of view. Over here, there's no security issue, man. You know, like the that the guys, the guys make half dollar. They get together at, at our place much of the time. We are 500 meters. I don't think we're even 500 meters from Bondi Beach. And all they do is they just go and they walk off together, you know, and they go and they sit on the beach and they get a bit of food or ice cream or, you know, they're obviously not allowed. They're not legal to drink, but of course they're drinking. Well, you know, you know all of this. And then who's at the beach, man? Who's at the beach? They're, they're, they're kids from uh, Redham. Redham is the equivalent of uh, Crawford, right? So, it's a, you know, the guy, the guys opened up a whole campus over here. So many Jews are going. They're not just going to Moriah. They're going to his place. So many non-Jews are meeting Jews. And now all of a sudden they're meeting all together. You know, you're not down there at Bondi Beach watching. This is like, you know, this is, and, and this is what they're doing, hanging out. That, that So, you know, all of a sudden you have to work out, you know, who's Jewish, who's not Jewish, and you have to bring the kids in. you got to rein them in. You know, they think, what's the problem? Uh, you know, I want to go to this person's uh, house, whatever it is, a whole bunch of people going, Jews, non-Jews. Oh, no, no, not Jewish. I said, well, no, that's a problem. That, these kids don't even think it's a problem. They don't even – it's ridiculous. It's, it's, so, it's so scary. They don't even think it's a problem. 
All I'm bringing these examples to show you is, is that spotlights change in time. So what once was something that's outrageous can become acceptable. And at that point in time, to get the value of behind it, it's no longer, it's no longer something that's that, that 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 draws attention necessarily to yourself. You know, obviously a sex change would and transgender and all this kind of stuff, but the world is mad, man. <laughs> mad. Eventually these things are going to be normal. So this is how scary it is. From a halachic point of view, you know, this is important to understand. You know, we're not giving any heterium over here. Just from the, the viewpoint of, of saying something is outrageous. The spotlight is on you, you know. Uh, you're doing something, the act that you're doing is automatically lahachis. It's automatic. Lahachis means it's automatically there to destroy Yiddishkeit, to show, to, to stab Yiddishkeit in the back, you know, to, you know, the classic example that we all know of is that, you know, our grandparents, or, you know, grandparents came to South Africa from Lithuania. Many of them were not from, or gave up from Kite, and, um, but in tra incredibly traditional. So, so South Africans have this incredibly big, the biggest in the world, this gray area of somebody who's orthodox and drafts to show. In Australia, you don't have that much. You, know, you have a little bit, but not much. Either you're from or you're not from. You know, you can be secular and very secular and totally secular. But 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 either you're from or you're not from. To have a guy who says he's orthodox and drives to shul, that is a that is a South African society. It's a totally South African recipe. It's Maybe in England a little bit. Maybe there's an area of that. Maybe yeah as well. But gee, you know, the bulk of our yidden are fit into that category in, in when I was growing up in Joburg. You know, but so so now when 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 they come to when they when they drive to shul or they call considered mechalal shabbos befaresia such they considered a mumar lekola torakula because chilul shabbos is the classic stabbing Yiddish part in the back and that's how it was 200 years ago. A person who broke Shabbos broke Shabbos in order to stab Yiddishkeit in the back to show he wanted nothing. He did what we call lahachis, to stab in the back. Nowadays, they don't do that. No, the average person the average person is not coming to driving to Shul to stab Yiddishkeit in the back. Exactly the opposite. He's driving to Shul to show you that he loves Yiddishkeit. I'll never forget, I had this uh, conversation in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a boardroom of one of the hoity-toity over here, wealthy guys. And uh, there, three, there were three guys, very bright, very successful. You know, and the one guy says to the other, you know, you know, do you go to shul still? Friday night. He goes, no, I don't like it. They talk too much. He says, it's such a, you know, he says, I don't like going anymore. I'd rather stay and watch TV because when I go to shul, they're so disrespectful in the orthodox shul. They don't shut up. I can't even hear myself think, so what am I going to shul for? And the other guy says, you're such a guy, man. I, you must go to shul every Friday night. So the one guy says, yeah, you go to Shul every Friday, every Friday night, I go. You know, so how's he going to Shul? He's driving. So the guy who's driving to Shul, you know, as far as the textbook Shulchan Aruch is concerned, the guy who's driving to Shul is Mechal Shabbos Midoraita. The guy who's sitting at home watching TV is not Mechal Shabbos Midoraita. Midrabonon maybe, but not Midoraita. So you rather tell the guy to stay at home and watch TV. You can't do that in our generation. You can't do that. You know, so you got to let him break Shabbos in order to show that he's part of the community. 
to, if you told Poskim 200 years ago that this is what it would be like, they'd laugh at you, they'd think you're mad. Now, the same thing is true in our generation. The same thing is true with people who marry out. That's how crazy it is. Society has become so secular Jewishly that today a person can marry out and still want to come to Shul. In the old days, when we were growing up as kids, if you married out, it was your sign that you wanted nothing to do with Yiddish guy. Today, no. Today, I have people coming to Shul who are married out and come and fast in Yom Kippur. I'm not sure what happens in Shamayim over there, but all I can tell you is it's yeah. And I'll tell you, and, and I know, especially the girls, because the girls know that the girls couldn't find Shiduchim. They're getting close to the end of natural childbirth age. They wanted children. They found a nice guy. They couldn't find a Jewish guy. They found a nice guy. The guy is only too happy. Do what you want. We want to be Jewish. I'll commit to you. So she says, I know my children are going to be Jewish. It might not be like the big, you know, this is not Mahajin uh, Heksha over here. But my children are going to be Jewish, right? They come and confirm it with me. Okay, so what can I do? I want children. He's a great guy. I'm going to get married. So they get married. They have children. She's intermarried. She comes to Shul every Yom Kippur to say Yizkor, to, to, to fast. What are you going to say? Marrying out by her was lachis, to stab Yiddishkeit in the back. She did it with Kavona to keep Yiddishkeit going. In her mind, it's a mitzvah to have Jewish children. It's a mishuga. It's, it's, it's totally crazy, but that's what's happened. The nature, the color of, of, of where things go. You have, to be, you have to know your tibur. You have to know what, what's going on. So now it could be that at some point in time, you know, this woman who's wearing a talus or, or putting on trillion and if the community, these left-wing communities who, who we don't hold by, on any, by any stretch, but they, let's say they did it. Now it became, okay, so this woman comes every single day she comes to Jules and she's putting on, on, on trillion. Everyone knows it now. It's been going on for years. What are you going to say? When she walks into, into, into Jules that she's not Sanua. You can say a lot of other things, right? You can throw the Yonas and Benazil at her. She'll argue with you with the toasters, you know? You can say it's new. You know, she'll say, what do you mean? I'm, everyone knows I do it. Everyone agree, that They agreed. It's like the Tzibur does it. Now, if you want, just uh, I'll just, just tell you for fun. But if you if you want to you see this, this interesting argument play itself out, there's a school. There's a school in, in, in America, in Riverdale, right, called SAR. It's like one of the preeminent modern Orthodox schools. From from school, right? Uh, committed to Torah, Torah mitzvahs, right? Modern Orthodox, right? And 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 they have all the rabbonim in there. The principles are of the, but but it's like classic. It's a classic, you know. Modern North, well, I wouldn't say modern Orthodox in America is is not from, but but centrist Orthodoxy, like you know, guys that that, that affiliate Yeshiva University. Come to gap, you know, yeshivas and sems are in the gap year. You know, this is this is a proper school, right? Now they they had a, they they had this interesting issue over here a couple of years back, right? That they had an issue. Two girls, I think it was, from girls. We're talking from proper from, right? Have davened, come to shul every single day at six twenty in the morning. They in shul since their bat mitzvahs. Two friends. The girls are put on talis and filling in shul every single day. And, and when they're not in shul, they go to school. And they came to the principal and they said to the principal, who's a rov, to the best of my knowledge, they said to him, they said to him, well, we want to put on filling. Well, we want to put on filling. You know, what, 
so now what do you do? You know, what, what's like a, you know, what, what's the approach over here? Now, of course, you've got everything that we've learned over here. We've got, you know, we've got all, all these interesting issues. But what's interesting is that the the Gomorrah that we, that I wanted just to make you familiar with, you probably know there's a Gomorrah, but the Gomorrah basically tells us that Michal bat Shaul, Michal, who was Shaul HaMelech's daughter, married David HaMelech, she put on tefillin. And there's a machlokas between the Bavli and the Yerushalmi, whether Chazal objected or not and said to her, no, it's not right. And there's a whole group of poskim. It's interesting, very interesting about it, that most of the people who hold that there's no problem with women putting on tefillin, um, or Sfardim. You know, and this, this, the Sfardim Masora was that this Gemorah, that this Gemorah, um, that says that Michal, the daughter of Shaul, put on the put on tefillin, and that nobody objected. This has been accepted as one shita in halacha. The Ramah argues vehemently, and he and he says no. Says he sides with the Gomorrah that says that she was the Chazal did object, and even if a woman today wants to, you know, wants to put on tefillin. You know, there's a problem. There's, there's an issue. We have to discuss exactly what it is, but there's an issue. But the Sfardi Poskin, I'm talking about the Sefer Achinuch, you know, the Rajba, you know, these are proper classic. Uh, even the Rambam, you could probably infer from the Rambam because he doesn't say it's not allowed. He just said, he quotes the Talas and the Tfilin, women are not, not obligated because it's Mitzvah Sashas Man Grama, but if they want to, they can. doesn't say anything about no, don't put on Tfilin. So this particular school, you must just Google it for your own, uh, you know, anyway, this is, uh, you know, SAR High School in, in America, in, in Riverdale. All right, so anyway, these girls, they came and, you know, they apparently they were, you know, since they're bat mitzvah, they, they dive in every day with chili. So now they came to the principal. They said they want to come to school, you know, and, and, uh, and, 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 and dive in with everybody. So now, so now what, do you, what do you do over here, right? So you've got the okay, Rishoni and the Rambam, you know, the Raj by the Sefer Achinuch, you know, even of Yosef Cairo in the Shulchan Aruch, you, you, you've got all of these pillars of Aloha which don't outlaw a woman wearing tefillin. They don't, don't hold of Rabbi Yonasam ben Uzziel. They have this Gemara which tells us that Michal bat Shaul put on tefillin and nobody, uh, nobody objected. The, the these Fadi Rishoni and Paskin that it's that is not a problem. So that's one side of the argument. Same as a talus. As long as they aren't doing it to you know to create a political furor, you know, they, they're doing it as Shem Shamaim. It's like a like a You know what's what's the issue? You telling me gufnaki that you have to be said to have to have a hygiene your body. You know, a woman can tell you, you know, you're going to have a very hard time looking a woman in the eye and saying to her that, you know, look, uh, you don't know how to keep your body clean. Um, yes, you may have an argument when you say to her, look, if you, you know, if you're having a period and it's close on and you, you're not sure where the onset's going to be, you know, you should really, really, really be careful because, you know, that, 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 that gufnaki is a real issue about filling. So let's say the woman says to you, okay, I'm post-menopause. Nothing's coming out anywhere. You know, or a woman says, you know, Okay, 
I'm on the pull. I'm, 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 I'm regulating. I've got my own story over here. Or, okay, during when it comes towards uh, period time, fine. But, but for the rest of the time, I'm, I'm good, right? I'm good for everything else in Aloha. You know, nothing. So, so, so what are you going to say? You, you know, that's what a lot of Rishonim uh, say, that Gufnaki is the problem. Today, it's very hard to come along and, and argue this point. Anyway, this was the, and Mitzat Shani, of course, is the Ashkenazi Poishkim, who, who most of them are very against this, you know, and you saw Rabbi Moshe also against it. They bring Gufnaki, they bring the fact that you're calling attention to yourself, they bring the fact that, you know, that uh, men are only allowed to wear tefillin a minimum during Shachis because they also shouldn't be wearing tefillin. They are because, you know, there, there was a time in, in Jewish history in, in Europe where, where a lot of communities did not, men did not wear, men, men did not wear tefillin because they assumed that they couldn't control themselves either. And, you know, whether it's bodily issues or, or, or their own minds, they couldn't focus. They're thinking about the tennis. You know, so, so they also said they're not going to wear tefillin. The smug, you know, the smug, um, uh, the smug, uh, from Mitzvot Gadol, he's one of the, one of the Tosafists, basically. One of the Balear Tosafot. He, he ran around uh, Europe trying to tell everybody, you know, he was, uh, you know, his, his name is um, Moshe Mikuchi, you know. I don't know how you spell Kuchi. Um, maybe C-O-U-C-Y or something. You want to look it up. Um, but he basically, uh, you know, he, um, he went around trying to convince people that even though you can't, uh, you know, you, you can't have your mind always on filling, uh, always on, 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 yeah, on, 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 on davening, you, you've got a heel, you have to wait fill in for a little bit. Davening, you can. So he went, okay, fine. So this is the big issue. The Ashkenazi Poskim are saying men are, are, are having trouble controlling themselves and focusing. So they only wearing fill in because they have to. So why would a woman who's not obligated, you know, put yourself in a position of, of, of sakana, of violation of the Kedusha of Tfilin? That's why you shouldn't do it. But now you've got this problem. Now, now, now we're talking now 21st century story, right? So now what, what do you say? What do you say with this person in the school? You know, do, do, you, say, do you say to them, no, you, you're not Lashem Shemayim? That, they're getting up for Minyan more than the guys are getting up for Minyan over here. They, they've shown more, on, you know, then you've got your whole community story and, and in the modern Orthodox world and the Kiruv aspect and you're trying to, will you turn them off Yiddishkeit if you make a fuss about it? This is where, you know, this is where it's a big issue now, you know. And, and do, you say, do, do you say, are you Michael instead of president? Oh, this, was a, this must have been a hell of a decision. You know, people, Rabboni must have had a way in on this decision big time. You know, in the end, from what I understood, um, the principal was Matir. He allowed them. He didn't want to turn them off. You know, and he, he understood. He, uh, I spoke to people in, in Tinek who, uh, who know him. I don't know they're off. But uh, I spoke to people in Tinek um, who, who know him. Well, Tinek is like... Uh, you know, Tinek is like a sort of basic territory. Like, why are you, you know, that's where all the great uh, modern Orthodox thinkers are all there and the communities are massive there. You know, they, they told me that this, this, is, this was the biggest issue, what to do. There was another story, I'll end with this, but um, one of the greatest poskim in the religious Zionist world, who unfortunately 
passed away during COVID. Somebody that I, I, I knew, I'd met, I met him, I didn't know well, but I met him. I was friendly with his son at Yeshiva. I mentioned him once or twice, Rabbi Rabinovich. You know, so he he's the Rosh Hashiva of, of uh, you know, of Maladumim. And um, he had a he had a story. He, he had, you know, there was a story by him. Um, I think, uh, this, you know, the story involved Rabbi Sachs as well. I think there was a there was a group that arrived. He, Rabbi Sachs was taking in a group. And, um, you know, um, I think it was one of these one of these, um, you know, global sponsor, Jewish organizations that was sponsoring not a from organization. Um, so bottom line is, is that, you know, part of this organization in order for it to get the money to show that it was pluralistic it had to include, you know, at least one non-Orthodox uh, person, you know, uh, a woman who was becoming a Rof studying for the rabbinate, whatever. So you have all the, you have all the, so this is Rabbi Sachs as a young, as a, as a young man. You know, so he's 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 studying for smicha, Rabbi Sachs. He's coming with a whole bunch of his chaverim from yeshiva, and they're coming on this program, and uh, and you know anyway they they were dov- they were davening in in, a, in in one of the areas over there, where this woman comes in wearing talis and tefillin, and sits herself down in the middle of the room, and and Rabbi Rabinovich, this famous Rosh Yeshiva, you know he was there. Everybody was like, didn't know what to do. There's no, there's no anything. What do they? How do they react? The woman wearing talis and tefillin, etc. You know, so all they run up to the rov. They say, what, do, what, what do you do? So you know, he basically said straight off the bat. He said, "Isudoraita to embarrass somebody." And this is not an isudoraita on any spiny stretch. And he said, "Everybody go, just ignore it." And that's that's that was his, you know. Yeah, he wasn't going to go and uh, this is not encouraging it. But at the end of the day, because you know the halacha deep down, you can you can make some very bold decisions. And I'm not even telling people right or wrong over here. We're just learning. Um, but uh, so I'm just saying that depending on how you play the game and what the, what the circumstance is, because you know the even of the halacha, you can make decisions that can either can affect positively or negatively, you know, people's... Uh, you know, people's engagement with this, with these particular mitzvahs, I say, especially, especially now that uh, society is so much like that in, in the way that we, you know, we've seen it. It's, um, one has to take a deep breath and, you know, if you know, if you know the halacha, at least over here, gives us license not to, not to go and, 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 and shoot the person, you know? So, um, anyway, how to, how to deal with it in, in schools and this or whatever it is, you know, okay, we're lucky we have very conservative societies, but um, what I can say to you is that, you know, in America, which is like the, the front line of this thing, it's not it's not so posh. Anyway, so I'll leave it there and we'll uh, we'll summarize and move on uh, to some of the more halachic sugyas within the world of tzitzit and tefillin with regard to mitzvah man grammar. Okay, uh, any questions? Rob, I've got a question. Yeah. Why are we we scared to be strict with the halacha and not try to compromise and take people on? You know, we're trying to accommodate them the whole time. We're trying to, like, we want to be ultra-sensitive. We don't want to push, we want to be too strict with them. We don't, why don't we just lay it down and say, guys, this is the halacha. And yes, people in the beginning might be, get their backs up. 
But in general, you know, we don't know. The, the Torah is strong enough, doesn't need us to protect the Torah. I mean, the Torah is the Torah. Yeah, your, your argument is solid. It's exactly what uh, the, the argument against this is. Exactly right. This is what people were saying. Why are you compromising? And this is, you know, this, this Rob who made the, who made the call, um, you know, he made the call in his school because he understood his situation. Was he right? Well, I'm sure he had lots of people questioning him. Uh, and, and he, you know, apparently, as I say, I, I, just, I don't know this thing firsthand. I know it's secondhand, but um, they were telling me that there were Rabbonim who were discussing it all over the place, right or wrong, but he happened to be a principal of a big school. So the question was what to do. You know, you, you, you're holding on to, you, you're in a place where you don't have the frumkite and the acceptance of conservative viewpoints, um, you know, like, like we do growing up here in South Africa and England. You don't have it. America's a, a different, it's a different rush outside of the yeshiva communities. And the question is, what's the best way to go? What's the best way to silence that thing? What's the best way to stop them? What's the best way of not making it into an issue? And at the same time, holding the kids and keeping their locker straight. So his job, this is what they told me, his job was that he wrote an article about it. And that's why I haven't seen the full article online. I'm looking, I'm going to look for it. But um, he said, this is no way I'm not letting anybody else do it. No other girls are coming in here and to do this because these girls have shown their metal and their true l'shem shamayim. Now, maybe he would, uh, he would try and encourage and educate that, listen, this is not the view of most poskim. And he would say that this is not, we all, we don't hold this either. He was very clear. It's just a hell of an interesting dilemma, but I agree with you. I think in certain, a certain tzibur, the ones that we grew up in, yeah, we, we wouldn't take this approach. We'd say, Look, you know, this is not what that look is. You know, you need to, you know, you you you, you want to be part of the community. You've got to respect the the meaning of the community. And this is our suck. We've taken it, you know. But maybe if it doesn't go down well, what you know, what do you do with it? You know what I mean? So this is yeah, it's, a, it's just an hell of an interesting dilemma as to how to deal with this. And and do you think, Rob, then that if you look at the American way that 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 uh, you see people have tended either towards the right, modern orthodoxy has almost fallen away, and now you've got this whole liberal left side. Do you think then it's a choice basically between either going right or left, and, and, but to hold the middle together is going to become almost impossible in the next uh, few years and generations? Uh, yeah, I think it's getting very, very difficult. It is getting very, it's very difficult. I think so. I think so. You know, I think I think you know the 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 Shivisha world, the Haredi world doesn't have this problem because you know it's almost like uh, you know you're gonna get you're gonna get shut down in a second. You know, you come you know in ten meters with this thing. I mean, I, 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 again, I, another thing for you to Google if you ever want to, but um, you know this 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 footage, the coverage of this woman of the wall and and all that, right? I don't know if you heard about it, but it was, it was quite recent, actually. If I, if I remember correctly, it was just, I was in Israel just pre-COVID. I think it was November 2019. I, I was there for my dad's yard site, and um, um, I saw this crazy scene. There was, you know, you know in Ben Yehuda, towards the bottom, um, and, you know, the, the, the Chabad guys have got this little booth, and they're putting on Twilin, 
Anyways, choose God. There was this other booth that was by the woman of the wall. They were doing the same thing as the Chabadnikim. Every, every woman who walked past, they were helping them in. Come, put on twilling. <laughs> it was like, it was like, it was crazy. I mean, it was like, the irony of it all is just unbelievable, right? <laughs> so that, you know, the Chabad guy goes over to them and says, you can't do this, you can't do this. But look at the irony of all that's happening. You know, Chabad or pro Kiruv, the most Kiruvi, they're out there telling everybody, come put on tefillin. These people are doing the same thing. They're going to tell them, you can't. It's just, the way it was playing itself out was like crazy, you know? And, and of course, the, the media just, you know, sweeps everything into a frenzy because of this. It's, it's unbelievable. According to according to our Psakalocha and, and Ashkenazi tradition, and I would even say, I would, I would even go on a limb and say, even according to most Fadim today, you know, even though that, even though, even though you have seriously the Rambam, the Rajbah, the Chinuch, the, the Rebels of Cairo himself, even though you have it that in those days they never made a statement to 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 say it's a problem. They, if I could be bold enough to say, they relied on Masora and and the society. To, to communicate what's right and what's wrong, you know? And I just gave Psakalocha a sharp neat. Any woman who wants to do a mitzvah, say Shazman Grama's mutar to do so without a brocha. That's all they do. They left it there. And they rely on society to tell them what, to, what you know, what's recommended, not, not, not just what's mutar. But even though those are the classic pillars of Aloha for the Sfardi world, I would say that even the Sfardim today, I, I have to look up Rabbi Vadya, but I, even the Sfardim today, would would not allow would not allow uh, would not allow people would not would not say that they, they, they can do it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh, the one the one prosaic I was interested to look up. Um, you know I have I have you in the, in the it's easy to find. Also you you got it uh, you've got it um, <coughs> in in the Sfaria, the Prina Halakha, you know of Rav Melamed. So he quotes everything. The he says that um, he says straight out, like you know, like Richard was saying, the halacha is they shouldn't wear tefillin. And he says, you know, many many right that you have to object to those who want to wear tefillin. That's what the Ramah says in Mishnah Bura. You know, the Sfardi Mishnah Bura, the Kafachaim, they all write that. But then he writes and he says, you know, you know, he says, but but those who want to wear tefillin. They have lenient opinions to rely on, you know, and and uh, you know, and and so he quotes both, um, you know, he even quotes Aruch Hashulchan to say that, uh, that maybe there's an exception for righteous women like Michal that we don't object, you know, but 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 you know, so he he says Lamaisa. I mean, this is interesting. He says Lamaisa, we don't object. But on condition that they don't wear it um, when they are prone to have their cycle, their period, um, and that also the only he only allows them to wear it in private, because then it's clear that they're doing it l'shem shemayim. So it's interesting how he's a, I would say a, you know okay he's in the religious honest world, but he's a mainstream poisak. He's not somebody who's uh, anyway. Lee Nader, I'll take a picture of that and, and send it to you. But uh, oh, yeah, Robert. Just one quick question. When does something become a, a minag? Like, for example, shofar with Ashkenazi women. When does it actually, you know, become an accepted minag? 
when a tzibur takes it on, and if the, once the tzibur takes it on, somebody paskins it's good or, you know, initiates it, and then in the world of aloha, in the sforim, they paskin it, you know. Sometimes it can come before the psak, other times it becomes afterwards. Some people ask a shiloh, a person writes a sponsor, and then it's, you know, it's, it's accepted. And, and um, you were mentioning, you were mentioning. Obviously, the world is heading, as you brought numerous examples in this crazy new world we live in. At some point in time, there are going to be other men. I mean, take women rabbonim, you know, yeah, which is already happening. It's, it's just going to become, yeah, become yeah. There, in, the, in the case of women rabbonim, what what's happening interestingly is is that even though it's in theory possible, that's there. But the main Torah world, including the modern Orthodox centrist religious Zionist world, is not going for it. And and because the fringe, it was a fringe community in Ephrathi. Yeah, and also look, the truth be told is there's plenty of opportunity to have a woman come in and do rabbinic uh, duties. Meaning, like, mm. I, I wouldn't have a problem with employing a woman who's a rebbetzin, and and call her rebbetzin, right? come in and work with all the women. And, you know, one of the biggest things that, that's missing in our kahilas, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is rabbis, there's so many of us, man. You know, good rebbitons, she's like, man. It's like trying to find Afi Koyman, man. You know, it's like how many people are coming? How many women are inspirational and they're coming and they're getting involved, you know? And it, it, it's hard as well because, you know, I remember I went through this myself when I was, when I was dating, you know, I I knew this already as a as a as a as a young kid. Meaning, I, I knew this. You know, you wanted it. You wanted a Raven Rebbitzin team because you saw what was happening. And you had the Rav was very active, and the Rebbitzin who's like, you know, you know, was taking care of the ladies' guild. You know what I'm saying? I go like, what is happening over there? Where, where were the Shurim? Where were the, you know? And 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 I remember, I, you know, started I started dating women who were these powerhouse women, you know. And, and it was interesting that, I mean, it was only my experience. I'm not putting it down, but many of these chevra, it was like you were marrying a chavrusa. You weren't marrying a wife. You know what I mean? It was like something interesting. It was that it's, like, it's like two doctors getting married, you know, when both people are the same or on 24-hour call, you know, that kind of a job. You know, it's, it's like men and women in, in a relationship. It's like it's a hell of interesting. Of course, Baruch has balanced us out because many a time you have to have somebody at home Who's a bit, who's a bit, who's a bit, you know, withdrawn, or who's a bit uh, in the background. And I'm not saying either way, but that's why it could be. It's interesting that that you know, as a couple, it's not always so simple, you know, how how it should work. Anyway, the fact the fact that you're looking for a woman to be a some sort of a muggy cheer and be a powerhouse educator is such a valuable thing today, and we need them in our community. You know, so sometimes you've got to find the husband who's not a rov, and he's married this high power educator, and he's he's, he's doing his business thing or whatever he's doing. Maybe that's how it's got to be, or he's a rov in another way. You know, what I'm saying is that there are options. Why it has to be that you have to give the woman smicha that they want so much to have smicha and to do and to be exactly like the rabbi to run the whole kahila and put herself in the spotlight. That I think is where because there are options. I think it isn't taking off as, as much as people may want to, as much as people may want to, you know, and um, but you know, but but 
I think if you just take a step, I, I think if you just ask about things like, you know, women's minyonim, women's getting, women getting aliyot, you know, laning. Megillah. Yeah, Megillah's taken off big time, right? Megillah's yeah, taken off big time. What do you mean? Yeah, We're happy to get the woman to learn the lining. You know, we don't have to get up at the six o'clock on Shabbos morning. <laughs> Let's start with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, you know, the woman's Megillah is also very, very interesting. You know, um, I spoke to Abel Lichtenstein at length about it. You know, we had uh, I had all these conversations with him when I first started out because it was always becoming an issue. He told me something very interesting. He said to me like this, he said, He said, "There's there's a, a well-known principle, Barov Amhandra Hadrat Melech. You know, you have you have a good solid kehilah. It brings a dimension to to the to the whole kehilah. Everybody's like upbeat because of the just the attendance of the people. So I said, you shouldn't have women's megillah readings because uh, you know in your kehilah, you know where 10, 15 women are going to go or 20 women are going to go out and and have their own megillah reading while you having yours." Well, who's going to look after the kids? And uh, you know, and 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 uh, where's the Barov Amhadrat Melech? It should be a total family experience. So he said to me, "You shouldn't, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it." Now he said to me, "It's not worth a fight. Don't don't get into a fight, but explain it to them." So that's what I did. I said, "Hevra, come on. We want we want everybody together." And I said, "You know what comes comes." Morning comes the daytime. Have a woman's Megillah reading. You can have whenever you want. Every hour on the hour, have a woman's Megillah reading somewhere. Do it during the day because during the day the kids are all at school. You know, a lot of people, most of the Rabbalabatim are going to work before they come for the Suda. What time do you dive in the Purim morning? You dive in the crack of dawn, so you can you know so you can get out and go to work. So who's reading the Megillah? The guy who does so, it the most. How did they? How did they take it, Ross? Yeah, no, it went well. It went well, you know. And then, of course, other shuls, you know, they wanted to other clever people who didn't want to do that. And now, so they made women's Megillah readings, and you know, but 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 Mark Mark Keeler were good. I didn't say you can't go. I didn't say it's us. I said you can go. I said, but I'm telling you, there's there are halachic issues that are discussed, and you are putting yourself in a bit of a situation, but it's not a serious situation, you know. But in terms of this, Barov Amadrat Melech community, children, big atmosphere, you know, you should do it. Now, often kids are small when we had young kids. So the, you know, then I had, I had two readings. You know, let, let, the, let, let, every, let the woman come with the kids to the first reading. And then you have those who missed out, women or men. So then I have a second reading. Get, gave them half an hour, 40 minutes to get home. And uh, the next uh, bunch of Hebra would come. Well, I don't I don't want to take up too much time, but what I've found what I feel rather with the Megillah readings, the women's Megillah readings is this it's not I don't feel it's the shame shame again. It's a, it's to some degree it becomes an act of rah, you know. I would say I don't want to say rebellion, but it's an act to put one's foot down to have, you know, women's Megillah reading, you know. It's not look, look, it, it could be, but It's also you see the opposite too. You see that that once it becomes the done thing, then you get so many women who say, "Oh, I live for this man." You know, it's done. It's like everyone's happy with it. No one's giving us trouble. We're not we're not violating anything. All rabbonim are not uh, making an issue. So I want to get involved. I want to learn how to lane. I want to go there. You know, it's so beautiful. 
for the you know woman for woman it's a, so it changes because of the you know as we say it's become now you know it's it's become now not a not a not a not something that is outrageous it's become accepted uh, some sorry. Yeah, no, no, I'm sure you guys. I've got plenty of okay. time. You guys got to go. Sorry. Thank right. you so much. Nice to see you all Thanks again. Thank you, man. Cheers. Eh? Thank you. Be well. Bye. Bye. Bye.